the first uh, vehicle we equipped with glass was uh, 1699. For example, you don't get an HUD in any sports car uh, because the, the windshield inclination is too much. Our promise for a very, very long time this uh, smart glass is, to be honest, who wants to drive with uh, a ski goggle uh, projecting with a laser directly into your eye to create an image directly within your eye. Hey, coming at you from the Motor Valley of Europe, Stuttgart, Germany. This is the Screens Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Seegers. I'm joined today by our expert, Srivas. Hello. Just one name, no last name. Like, like Madonna. Like Madonna. <laughs> we have a good one for you today. Now look, every time we interact with intuitive HMI or gaze upon an automotive display, it's easy to overlook the intricate hardware that powers them, but without it, our experiences would be far from seamless. I feel we should all take a moment to appreciate the unsung heroes who work tirelessly behind the scenes, who are constantly innovating, and whose craftsmanship ensures that we can effortlessly connect with the digital world that surrounds us. Uh, my guest today is Stefan Herzl from uh, St. Uh, I'm going to say it wrong already. San Goban Secure at the head of HMI and UX. Uh, Mr. Herzl, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Excellent. So right off the bat, um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do at San Goban Securet? Yes. Uh, so I'm uh, at San Goban Research Germany, um, which is the, the research facility of San Goban uh, Securet in Germany. And I had the, had the team of HMI and user experience experts here uh, in Herzogenrath, which is close to Aachen, close to the uh, border of Netherlands and uh, Belgium. Mm. And um, with my team, I work mainly on uh, on integrating HMIs and uh, integrating functionalities into the automotive glazing. Um, and in addition to that, we also look into other into other areas, uh, which is not part of today's discussion, mm. uh, because we also look into uh, construction materials and uh, glazing for for buildings so there's a there's a, a connection uh, from uh, architecture to cars but um, today we speak about uh, hmis and yeah. hud systems that's such a cool topic too i mean the the, the automotive glazing and, and the hmi i mean what I read off your website is basically that uh, Sangoban Securit has been in the market for over 90 years, playing a key role in shaping the evolution of automotive glazing. So uh, right off the bat, I think I'd like to ask you, what do you think is the impact of glass-based hardware on the design of different components like HMIs and HUDs, etc.? Yeah. So you're right that uh, Securit is already 90 years in the, in the business, uh, or over 90 years. <laughs> Uh, if you if you look at uh, Zanguba, we are even uh, longer in the business uh, mm -hmm. because uh, the first uh, vehicle we equipped with glass was uh, 1699. Oh, so okay. It's, uh, a little yeah. bit longer than uh, than 90 years. That it was the uh, it was a, a sedan chair of uh, the architect of uh, King Louis the Sixteenth. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. So <laughs> that's the that's the tradition of my company. So it, it goes way back, and uh, this also shows our connection to glazing. Um, of course, uh, from back from there, from the from the sedan chair to today's automotive this is a long way, mm -hmm. and uh, today we integrate uh, HUD systems uh, into glazing, um, and um, yeah, today uh, also the the glazing surface of a car uh, evolves to, and it's uh, it's a huge surface of of glass, uh, and we have. Um, a huge potential there to integrate additional functionalities, additional HMIs, uh, also not, not only uh, for the driver, also for passengers. I mean, we uh, we might speak later on also about augmented reality. Mm -hmm. um, we can uh, go into details there. And um, yeah, uh, glazing also takes a big part in, uh, in shielding the, the passengers from the outside. Is it the environment? Is it sun? Is it uh, radiation? And um, so we also have uh, a big part in in, in changing climate uh, um, situations, and um, yeah, uh, and glass. Uh, of course, it's 
just at the border between the interior and the exterior. Um, so we uh, we are able to uh, to build the bridge from uh, from the interior to the to the outside world. Very cool. Yes. Um, I have a couple of questions for you then. So let's start by looking at the big picture. So for the average person listening to this podcast, the first question that probably comes to mind is you're speaking HMI user experience. I assume this is digital products. You're speaking about glass. That mm. makes that makes how is that possible? So Mr. Hurtle, could you tell us a little bit more about what the role of glass is when it comes to impacting you know uh hmis and user experience of people in the vehicle yes so for us um we have we have two uh two separate things here um when we when we speak about the user experience we speak about a holistic experience of the car itself mm -hmm. so the best hmi the best digital hmi is worth nothing if you're if you're sitting in the car and are uh, really uncomfortable, um, so what we do is um, we we with our products shape the or uh, uh, create a comfortable interior. So we want to have uh, visual comfort by a very bright and light interior. We have uh, the the thermal comfort. Uh, we uh, where we manage the the incoming radiation from the sun so that the car doesn't heat up uh, that much so that the ac system doesn't need to work uh, that much mm -hmm. and on the uh, and the third we also um have a big part in the acoustic comfort so mm -hmm. shielding the interior from the road noise and so on um so all of that is is part of the glazing is part of the user experience when you drive down down a nice road you want to you want to feel the road of course you want to want to drive the car but mm -hmm. the, um on the other side you want to also sh be shielded from the outside yeah. and um on the other side um we also integrate uh information displays into the class um mm -hmm. so what we uh, what we today don't do is for for example the cover glass on on this place but um we uh we extend uh, the glass surface by that by the means of showing information and mm -hmm. the the HUD system is the is the best example for that mm -hmm. so we we present the information right where it belongs in the front of the eyes of the driver mm -hmm. so that he, you don't need to look down and this is, of course, uh, has a big impact on the on the experience uh, while driving as well. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, I, I always think of the, uh, you know, when I think of a heads up display, I always think of Iron Man because, you know, that was the first time I was really just like, <laughs> that would be really cool driving a car to have all that stuff. But True. I mean, I, I still, yeah, when you bring up augmented reality, that seems like just something that is, is, is huge for the future yeah. of this, right? I mean, Tom and I had a chance to test some really cool cars. You know, we drove the EQS, we drove the BMW i7, iX, mm -hmm. and uh, all of these vehicles came equipped with augmented reality. Of course, we go into this a, 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 little, deeper, a little deeper later on. But uh, then my next question would be to you, um, when coming up with these new technologies, right? Like when we speak about augmented reality, heads-up displays, windshield displays, what is the collaboration process between yourself and an OEM? How does how does this go about? Mm -hmm. You know, because um, I can imagine that the OEM probably comes up with really cool ideas. Oh, we want to do this, 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 mm -hmm. and then you know you have a big list of requirements in your table. Or does it go the other way around? Where you are saying that oh, we have this new glass that can do this, 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 and the OEM is running around thinking, oh no, what can we do with this? How yeah. can we use this? It's a great question. Yeah, it is definitely it definitely goes both ways. Uh, so we uh, we collaborate with uh, with our partners with with the OEMs in uh, in both ways. So uh, on some uh, you have also some of the let's say standard uh, projects where the where the OEM comes with the with the need of an uh, of a normal HUD system, 
and he gives you he gives us the specifications and we try to to match that specifications as close as possible as possible mm -hmm. and then you have the really exciting really really exciting projects where you uh, need to integrate an HED in a car where it this just not fit in and this is this is where our expertise comes in um, because uh, you know HED systems they uh, they have really really um, yeah, narrow uh, bands of specifications where it really actually looks good. Mm -hmm. And um, for example, you don't get an HUD in any sports car mm -hmm. uh, because the the windshield inclination is too much, or the um, mm, uh, cool. the curvature of the windshield is uh, is too narrow, uh, so that the that we can't guarantee a high quality image in the in the HUD. But here. Uh, here then our experts come into play and they uh, they design together with the OEM uh, the windshield curvature in the area of the HED or we um, um, or we also go into into the collaboration not only with the OEM but also with the projector uh, supplier so there are a couple of uh, of good projector suppliers out there and in the end it's a system it's a system out of the uh, projector supplier, the windshield, uh, the dashboard, um, where it is mounted, and all needs to fit together. And on top of that, you also have to the software, because in the end, um, you cannot show everything on an HUD system, but you need to prepare the content you want to show for the use in a in a transparent screen. In in the end, it is. Yeah, I mean, now that you put it that way, I really did not realize this because. Many times I was wondering, mm, okay, why does the HUD on this, why why is it better on some cars than the other? Obviously, there are other factors and why some cars don't have HUDs altogether. Yeah. Now I realize it. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to get into the, I know we, we said, we keep saying, we're going to talk about augmented reality here in a minute and we'll bring it up. Forget <laughs> it. No, let's just do it right now. <laughs> like, why wait? I mean, what are some of the key specs that you always have to take into? Like you talk about the, the heads up displays. What are some of the key specifications you have to take into account when you're creating like augmented reality tech? Is it similar? Um, yes. Uh, when we when we speak about the, the windshield, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Augmented reality has some uh, additional uh, topics you need to take care about in the, in the full system again. Um, so, but when we when you speak about only about the glass, the the requirements on uh, on AR HUDs are quite similar to the to the ones in HUD uh, in standard HUD systems. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit tighter. They're a little bit uh, um, harder to to really produce um, because in the end, uh, the uh, no windshield is exactly the same as the other. Um, mm -hmm. If you look at the process, how windshields are are made. In, uh, in the end, how glass is bent to shape, then you see uh, this is this is a process which we can control very much mm -hmm. um, today, but there are still variances in there. Um, so in the uh, in the end, to produce a windshield, you take flat glass, which is flat 2D glass, and you bend that into shape by by heating up and uh, letting basically the gravity do its job. Uh, you heat up the the center area of the windshield, and the uh, and the glass flows into into the curved shape of uh, uh, of the desired uh, windshield. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can you can imagine uh, a degree here or a degree there changes the uh, the shape of the windshield uh, completely. And our experts here at the plant they uh, they have this under control, but only to a certain extent. And um, this is the this is the where uh, where the quality aspect comes into play. Uh, we control these quality parameters very much, uh, so that every windshield is in a really really tight tolerances. And for HR AR HUDs, these tolerances are really really small. And um, in the end, uh, what we have is uh, we have a 100% inspection of each windshield, which leaves our lines. And um, we uh, we managed to create uh, really um, really high quality windshields uh, for AR HEDs. That is really and, cool. Um, yeah. oh, sorry, yeah. go on. <laughs> 
<laughs> so um, what what we need to take care of is uh, the uh, ge geometrical um, parameters like the radii, like like the uh, um, um, yeah, like the thickness of the glass, uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, of course, um, we also need to take care about the quality of the reflection of the image, um, because uh, you know uh, windshields are two layers of glass, mm -hmm. not only one. And um, when you have, uh, when you do your uh, benchmarking of uh, of your HEDs, mm -hmm. you might have seen something like a double image, or uh, what we call ghost image. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that's because we have two layers of glass, mm -hmm. and so you get two reflections of of the same image on the uh, on the surface of the glass. And uh, the yeah, the art in there is to overlay these two images so it looks like one image. Interesting. Because you can't avoid the second reflection. Yeah, so have you noticed any of that stuff in any of the cars that you've been in? Yes, of course. Of course. I mean, uh, not this 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 whole conversation is just an just a big long conversation of oh wow, I didn't realize that for me <laughs> because it it's it is so underestimated because I can even bring up some examples. We drove the ID three, mm -hmm. which had which is a cheap car in comparison to something like an EQS Mercedes. Yeah. But which had such a good uh, augmented reality navigation, you know, it was unbelievable. And um, what may, maybe one more question I have in follow up to this, which may not directly be related to to you, but I think it kind of uh, matches up. We've observed that you know, in some vehicles, no matter where we are sitting, we just cannot see the HUD or the AR. And this was, I think, <laughs> uh, it it brings to my mind the smart uh, hashtag one that Tom and I uh, took for a test. Oh, the Brabus one. The Brabus one. Yeah. And uh, Tom was so tall, he just could not see the, uh, you know, the HUD at all. Yeah. Um, and if so anybody wants to see that, they've actually got a great uh, Experts in Cars episode on YouTube where they go over the entire thing. It's fantastic. So check this out And they also complain about this. Part. And they also complain about that on YouTube. Yes. Yes. So um, my question to you then is, uh, how do you dictate the specifications of this? I mean, I, I'm a mechanical engineer myself. I can clearly see what you mean by tolerances and radii of curvature and so on. But how do you really dictate the specifications to match a ver a, you know versatility of heights, drivers of all heights? Because in my view, the smart hashtag one has failed a little bit because the tall person can't see it. Mm. Yeah, um, so I uh, may not, uh, uh, or I should not say that I was part of the uh, uh, the team uh, <laughs> back in my last job before before <laughs> okay. Sangama, okay. before I started with HEDs. Yeah. Uh, I worked with the with the Geely team uh, uh -huh. who designed uh, the smart. I haven't worked on the HD, I need to say. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's a bit of relief for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, what what is, uh, or what you did experience there is uh, basically an, uh, a human factor thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the team uh, designed the, uh, the so-called iBox. This is the box in the car where you can position your head in uh, and still see the the HUD system in too short uh, or too narrow tolerances. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, if you if you look at the HMR design or uh, especially also the human factors part in that, mm -hmm. um, you have cultural differences, mm. and you need to decide: do you uh, do you uh, define this for a tall European guy? Mm -hmm. Uh, with the 95 percentile of, uh, I don't, uh, I'm not really sure where that is uh, mm -hmm. currently, but somewhere around uh, 1 meter 78 or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, or you focus more on the Chinese uh, um, uh, 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 people, uh, a little bit shorter, a little bit smaller in the car, sitting in the car. And... Um, you need to you need to decide who who do you focus on. Uh, normally, every car should have a height uh, adjustment of the HED, mm -hmm. but also this has has its boundaries. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you can't you can't fit to all. Yes. And um, as, uh, this is uh, 
this is really a challenge for all of us to make the iBox as, uh, as big as possible mm -hmm. to fit fit the needs of all the drivers. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you just uh, just need to decide whether to uh, to fit the one market or the other market. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. um, you can't have too many variants in, in the cars uh, delivered by your company and into the world. And then there's people like me who are tall but have terrible posture. So I just kind of... <laughs> Slump down. Yeah, yeah but uh, but it, it brings to mind another very interesting question, at least to me. Um, how is it uh, that some vehicles, you know, um, probably I can name, let's say a similar car like the smart hashtag one, the Volkswagen ID3. Mm -hmm. When I sit in the car, I'm up close, a little closer to the wheel. I'm a little more upright. When Tom sits in the car, mm -hmm. he's six foot three, six foot four. So I feel like the steering wheel is in a different car altogether from the seat position, you know. So it's, it's, it's just so far away. But in both our seat positions and both our height adjustments, we are able to see this uh, HUD and this iBox. So it, it, the, the, where I'm sitting right now, it looks to me like some vehicles, and I don't intend to point fingers at just these two companies, but some mm -hmm. vehicles have gotten this really right and it, they've made it for a larger demographic of people, mm -hmm. while some haven't. So what really influences this um, this kind of decision making? How is it that some do this, but some don't? It's, it's again, probably mm -hmm. a much more broader question, but it, it really uh, yeah. comes to my mind at this point in time. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, I didn't have the chance to experience the smart uh, HUD system yet. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll, I'll have a look at this after, <laughs> after our talk. Um, <laughs> definitely. Um, and yeah, in in the end, uh, there is a lot of uh, a lot of expertise needed mm -hmm. to uh, design systems like that. Mm -hmm. And there there are companies out there doing HEDs for a really long time. I think the first was in a BMW uh, Seven Series uh, already decades ago. Mm -hmm. um, and um, of course, the there were a different level back then. It was a really small HED system. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, uh, they learned a lot through the last years, and um, you know also the uh, the automotive industry, especially in Germany, uh, um, the people move around between the between the, the different uh, mm. uh, OEMs, and they uh, they take with them their their expertise. Um, the Chinese companies they catch up. Mm -hmm. um, but they they start uh, at a different level. Mm -hmm. um, not not saying that every uh, every car designed uh, in China has a has a worse HED than that in German. Mm -hmm. But it it really needs a, a lot of expertise. It really needs a lot of uh, mm -hmm. knowledge about the the systems to really design it well, and uh, design it also for for a bigger portion of the demographics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Looks like there's a big factor of experience there. And just yeah. to touch yeah. on the augmented reality, come back there a little bit. I would like to ask you your opinion on what the scope of augmented reality in cars is. At this point in time, I mm -hmm. see augmented reality navigation. I find it very useful because when I'm driving, I, I hear take left in 400 meters. I'm not measuring it manually, so I don't know exactly how far I need to go for 400 meters. Mm -hmm. But when I see the AR navigation exactly pointing which street I need to turn into, it's just so useful. It, do you personally see other scope, um, other applications of augmented reality in heads-up displays? Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so you pointed already at the, the primary uh, use of AR, um, of really contact analog AR because there are also different kinds of uh, AR system out there. And uh, what you experience, for example, in the EQS, this is really contact analog. That means the information is right at the object in the real world uh, where it belongs to. So in your case, uh, the the, uh, the street you need to turn into. Um, and this is this is the the strong suit of uh, of AR and. Uh, adding information to the real world and um, yeah navigation is the is the first use case you always come across then a lot of uh, cars today uh, also show ADAS uh, system statuses mm -hmm. in in 
in real life um, so you see the distance to your uh, to the car in front of you you see if you uh, keep your keep a safe distance or you're close uh, by uh, coloring that uh, that status mm -hmm. and this is these are the the two use cases basically done in any ar system out there yet, uh, currently mm -hmm. and um, yeah but ar can do much more than that but on the other side adding information is also distraction mm -hmm. of course um when you uh when you think about and when you look into sci-fi movies mm -hmm. of any kind um uh using ar technology i mean you you mentioned iron man yeah. um i'm not sure if you want to have all this information <laughs> uh, while driving uh with uh 150 on the the autobahn i may be a like bit that. distracted yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um yeah, but the, this shows also, um, I mean, the, the sci-fi movies, they show also the, what can be done in, in AR. Mm -hmm. And if you think about autonomous driving or AR for passengers, and uh, when autonomous drive will happen, or if mm -hmm. it happens, uh, <laughs> then we are all passengers, and mm -hmm. we can use that technology for other, uh, for other things. And then it really starts the game. So it uh, it's then in... Uh, uh, information uh, based on the location. So there's a restaurant uh, with that and that review, reviews. Uh, you want to book a table in there um, or any other kind of advertisements, enhancing the uh, the reality. So why not land in uh, spaceships in the sky if you if you <laughs> uh, if you like uh, things like that? Yeah. And um, you know th there are a lot of lot of use cases. But we need to be very, very careful uh, what what kind of information we show to the driver, because in the end we need to uh, reduce distraction as much as possible mm -hmm. and keep the driver um, really with the attention on the road. Yeah, yeah. We we've had guests on that talk about similar things, and I think what did we bring up last time? We we were speaking with somebody about PlayStation fives in cars right now, and <laughs> it's do you. Do you really want to be playing a PS5 while you're... I mean, it's not that I would be while I'm driving, but I think they're a good solution maybe if you have kids. You know, your kids are playing PS5, but it would also really tempt me to grab the controller and just like, let me beat this guy for you real quick. You know, like it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, you, you bring up a very interesting point about passengers and augmented reality for passengers. So let's expand the view you mm. see what I mean? Ah, let's I see what you did there. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> let's talk about windshield displays. Okay. Now, during my yeah. studies, I've been a participant in a fair few studies on uh, windshield displays. I myself wanted to do some research on this field. So mm. I've done a little bit of reading there. But as the point of view where I come from, everything is a concept, you know. So you are in the battleground. So please tell us a little bit more. What are the possibilities of creating a windshield display? I mean, uh, until today, I really didn't know there were so many factors to create an HUD, mm -hmm. let alone <laughs> project something <laughs> on the screen. So is it possible really to create a full windshield display? What do you think? I'm convinced that we are, that we have something like a windshield display. Mm -hmm. um, it might look different than we uh, than we imagine that today. Um, so what we see is that there are technologies emerging yeah, which cool. could give us the possibility, um, which could uh, which could give us yeah um, tools in in our hands uh, to to add information wherever we want to have that. I mean, we all, all followed the, the reveal of uh, Apple Vision Pro. Yes. And the technology like that could re, uh, could do something like a windshield display. So you uh, you have some markers on your display on your windshield, and that's that's where you look at. And uh, in that in that case, you can add any information on top of reality. Mm -hmm. that, that is one possibility. But to be honest, who wants to drive with uh, a ski goggle uh, down uh, <laughs> any any road, uh, or yeah. you want to not put uh, that on every time you go into your car? Yeah. Um, but still, it's interesting. It still is uh, is a start of 
of a new kind of technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, we already are promised for a very, very long time this uh, smart glasses, goggles, and and so on. Yeah. Um, there are even there are even technologies out there projecting with a laser directly into your eye. Um, so to to yeah. create an image directly within your eye, mm -hmm. not having a display at all. This could be also uh, a way to to get closer to a windshield display. Mm -hmm. But also there, I would uh, be very very uh, yeah. cautious yeah. to to try out that technology. <laughs> to be very uh, to yeah. be frank, there. I'll let somebody else figure that out. I, I won't be um, the first. But, <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm not an uh, early adopter of the And maybe also the not the second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What, what are the applications uh, do you think you could have with the windshield? I mean, do you just like full on maybe navigation or maybe a TV screen for the passenger? Like, what, what kind of applications can you see happening? Yeah. So, um, uh, I want to point out one thing uh, before uh, oh, yeah, yeah. we close that because, um, uh, when we go into the windshield, when we go into the glass, there is there is one technology out there which is really promising to to give us a bigger screen on the windshield. Maybe not the full windshield, but bigger screen, uh, bigger screens, mm -hmm. bigger uh, um, bigger possibilities. And this is holographic films. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So with, with holography, we can uh, we can go around some of the shortcomings of today's projectors. Um, you always need uh, a big field of. Uh, you want to have a big field of view. You want to have big uh, eye boxes, and that increases the size of uh, today's HUD projectors. Mm -hmm. With holography, you can shrink that down and still have it with big field of view. And mm -hmm. um, there are a couple of nice concepts out there already, um, and this could give us the get us a step closer to a full windshield HUD. Yeah. And. Oh, yeah. Coming back to your question, once once we have that, I mean, uh, for passengers, entertainment, of course, is one of the uh, the great uh, possibilities of the of the windshield as a display. Mm -hmm. Entertainment, like gaming, you mentioned the PS5 before. Yeah. Uh, maybe not while driving. Maybe no. not for the driver. <laughs> but again, um, autonomous discs. Autonomous cars are promised to us, um, mm -hmm. yeah. and you have uh, the charging stops of uh, electric vehicles, where you could use uh, the windshield in as a gaming platform, as a uh, video uh, screen, or uh, you can even think about doing video calls, doing mm. um, office uh, stuff on there, showing presentations to uh, to the interior of the car. That that all is a possibility of this windshield uh, display te uh, technologies, mm -hmm. and um, you could even think about another really nice uh, technology we have here, and this is switchable glazing. Mm -hmm. So glass does not need to be transparent all the time. Yeah. Ah. So if you if you if you experience the iX from uh, BMW, you might have seen that. Mm -hmm. um, you have a, a switchable glass roof in that car. Yeah. So cool. Um, <laughs> That's a, yeah. such a cool thing. Yeah. And, and you can imagine that also for the windshield. So you can encapsulate your space. You can create this third living space for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know that nobody from outside can look in, uh, inside. And then yeah. you can use that surface for, for a big display for, uh, again, movies, games, uh, office spaces. Yeah. It seems really cool, the applications, whenever you, if we ever get to like a level five automation which you know people are skeptical about if we ever get to that but still there's applications that i didn't think about like for example electric vehicles you know at some point you're charging your vehicle what do you do while you're charging it maybe you can just sit inside play some games <laughs> i don't know what i worry about the most with that though is honestly the advertisements that'll probably eventually happen no matter oh, what like yes. i always think of back to the future i think it's back to the future 2 or something like that whenever yeah. you have the giant jaws shark come at him like a, the holograph yeah. and then i'm just like okay that would be terrible if i'm driving down the road and my windshield <laughs> suddenly gives me an advertisement for jaws Five or something like that. oh yeah that i can imagine the dread behind that yeah uh, but i think you really read my mind here because uh, switchable glazing was one of my 
put up upcoming questions that's you know cool. that's yeah. so cool yeah uh, because it's it's unbelievable this kind of technology if you yeah. are, if you if you told if you showed like childhood me this thing and you said you could <laughs> yeah. do this you know i wouldn't believe you uh it's super underrated but before we go into in, into that aspect i have few more questions to mm-hmm. touch on with windshield displays you mentioned um, you mentioned holographic uh, projections and uh, this makes it really interesting because um i've seen some really cool uh, you know examples in movies which you also mentioned earlier like i think it was oceans 11 12 13 one of the three one of where they project that yeah. egg right so do you think that there could also be more constructive applications of such holographic uh, technology and i can think of something like um pointing out dangerous vehicles on the road or some other driving related applications of holographic technology because uh, as you mentioned uh, the the projector is a little limited um you know but mm. i feel like hol- holography opens the opens the door a little bit more yeah yeah and um yeah you you already mentioned uh, a good use case for that uh when you when you have uh, holographic projectors uh you are not bound to one one projective uh projector plane mm-hmm. so you could even uh position the uh your hmi into the real world also in in a in a short distance in a long distance mm-hmm. uh, and so you can mark of course obstacles on the road other vehicles the dangerous uh, right or left um i have i have a little bit of uh, of a fear there um uh, mm-hmm. because when you when you take any driver's training mm-hmm. one of the first things you learn is uh, the car will go where you look True. so and we tend to today to mark the objects uh, which are dangerous for us mm-hmm. so we um we draw the attention to the car in front of us and that is that is for me a, a problem of today's uh, ar systems because um this is the easiest way uh, to mark okay here's the danger there's the danger uh, be careful about that be careful about that but what in my opinion we should do is draw the attention to the way around mm-hmm. um so this is this is also where it comes uh, uh, what i mentioned before we need to learn to design uh, hmis mm-hmm. for the technology what we do today for for hud systems is we reduce the information show only the uh, the most important things because mm-hmm. it's really hard for for us to uh, digest the uh, the additional layer of information um and when it comes to ar we need to do the same but there is a lot of research necessary um we need to go uh, get into touch with uh with users with the car drivers what they actually need in that situations mm-hmm. and we are just at the beginning of that we did not uh, we don't understand all of that so what i just told you is is my feeling about that mm-hmm. but there is no research behind that yet mm-hmm. and i would love to do that kind of research i mean you you said you're uh you have been to Eindhoven before yep. um i think they they uh there the research uh, in that direction also happens Yes I mean I, I like I said earlier as well I was I was a part of I mean I participated in a few of these studies with a lot of these interesting concepts um, I saw some really wild concepts you know so that's a bit I think next step for us but based on what you just said I have a human factors question to ask you so when you look at AR right let's look at AR based navigation uh one thing that i observed is while tom and i have been driving for i mean tom a lot more than me but we've been driving for upwards of 10 years you know and uh in this case we we are very trained very used to like okay if it says make a left here you focus on the road not on the ar but this could not be the case with every person there could be someone who's so i don't know fascinated or distracted by this by by this that they're looking only at the arrow mm-hmm. on the other hand you have contemporary systems what most people use today on their apple carplay and auto which is voice based navigation and i had this i read this very interesting study that said that voice based guidance and voice assistance distract just as much as visual cues mm. so between the two what is the lesser of the two evils that could really help us make our daily life That's or daily commute it's also assuming commute? that they're evils though <laughs> 
I mean, they're, if if they're both going to distract you in some way, yeah. you know, I'm. It's I, of course I I it's, I say it in humor, but in your view, what's the lesser of the two um, evils, wherein uh, <laughs> wherein uh, you know you see the potential for lesser distraction? Yeah. So I can uh, I can only speak for myself. Uh, yeah, of course, I'm, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not an expert. I did not do the research, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but in my opinion, you could, of course, um, if you need to decide between visual and auditive, um, it depends on how good the auditive uh, navigation is. Mm-hmm. If it just says to you, uh, take a right turn in 200 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, then it might not work as well, uh, or it might True. not be better than showing 200 meters. Yeah. If it says uh, uh, like a right turn after the uh, traffic light where uh, McDonald's is on, uh, is on the corner, mm-hmm. um, it gets more into a more natural uh, uh, interaction. Mm-hmm. And I could imagine that this is a little bit, a little bit less distracting than mm-hmm. a visual cues. Um, when we when we go back to AR. Um, again, we are the start of AR. Uh, there is not much experience with that kind of technology as a road user or for your road users. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure. I can't tell you what, what is the better, the better mm-hmm. way to do that. Yeah. We don't Fair know enough. which one's less evil, <laughs> but I will tell you this. I kind of like the idea of a combination maybe, you know, for True. me personally, like if I hear yeah. take a left in 200 meters and then on my, you know, windshield, it's kind of pointing maybe a countdown of some sort, you know, maybe it kind of, hey, there you go. Starts blinking right before the turn. Mm-hmm. The combination of the audio and visual, I think might, might be multimodal. As yes. Multimodal. Yeah. You know, all the good words. <laughs> like evil (laughs) yeah but uh, then let's before we move into more um, let's say fantasy topics let's uh, probably one question to you is we spoke about driver distraction but do you see any other potential dangers and risks in having windshield displays and augmented reality tech Mm. yes Um, there is there's also fatigue of the eye Mm -hmm. Uh, um all the technologies we use today, they are not perfect. Um, there's uh, there's fatigue to uh, just by the perception of the eye, um, because you need to focus on on different uh, uh, on different systems, on different uh, um, things. Uh, a display still today it flickers. I mean, it flickers by with uh, maybe 120 hertz, but mm-hmm. it still flickers. So it mm-hmm. it will it will strain your eye uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. So if you have a really long drive uh, with an HD system, you start to uh, also realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially also if you turn your head. I mean, in uh, in the corner of the eye, you're a little bit more sensitive to to flickering than mm-hmm. uh, right before uh, in front of you. This is also where human factors come in. Um, then of course um, you you start to maybe you also start to focus too much on the on the uh, AR stuff mm-hmm. um, and not uh, recognizing the the dangers on the route. So mm-hmm. uh, you need uh, uh, you might rely too much on the uh, on the information uh, presented to you, and if the system has a has missed something, you might not see that. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's definitely also a danger for us. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point. I think it, it's similar to autonomous driving, where you've got these risks of people trusting the actual drivers, trusting the autonomous system or the ADOS system, like more than they probably should. And I think for these displays, then maybe that's a factor that you always have to consider: is we display the information that is only necessary. We don't want to get, you know, we have to work with the trust of the driver to actually, you know. You get what I'm saying. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a very valid point. Yeah. So what about passenger window displays? I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, the full windshield and all of that. Uh, did you ever did you do any research or any kind of production on, you know, can we convert a passenger window into display or maybe the side? Yeah. 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 Um, of course, we also looked at that. Um, as I said, we, we look at 
all uh, all glazings around the car mm -hmm. uh, to add functionality to that. Uh, passenger windows have the problem they are not easy to, to integrate a, a display into because they are ergonomically not in the ideal position. Yeah. Um, so you don't want to turn your head all, all, the, uh, all the time to, to look at an information. Um, passengers also have the freedom to use their phone. Uh, mm -hmm. We should not underestimate that. I mean, um, the uh, to uh, to compete with a phone with a smartphone is really really hard for any kind of systems in the, uh, especially for passengers. Mm -hmm. So you need to create something which gives additional value, and the additional value is for me uh, when it comes to AR because that can't be done with the smartphone in the same to the same extent. Mm -hmm. um, so a really immersive uh, AR system uh and there but the technologies to to bring a display into the into the sidelight is quite the same it's mm -hmm. either, either it's a projective system so you have a projector and um, some kind of reflection on the glass surface or um, you bring into uh, you bring the the screens directly into the glass we haven't talked about that yet but um um, when, uh, when it comes to OLED displays, you mm -hmm. can already buy transparent OLED displays, mm -hmm. may, yes. may, uh, mainly for advertisement uh, purposes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, these are also th see-through uh, displays and uh, could, be, could be a way to solve that. Um, but in the end, uh, it's really hard to, to get use cases which actually um, can compete with the smartphone and convince the the buyers of the car uh, to spend some extra money mm -hmm. uh, instead of buying a new phone. Yeah, true. That is true. Yeah, um, but it, I, I can think of a few applications. I it, mm. it takes me back to my childhood because I was a really restless child, mm. and I would have absolutely have loved to have something to fiddle with on the window, you know, because most of the time I was staring out of it. Now we have a smartphone. At that time, we didn't. But um, I, I was a part of this other research that went on at the university. One of my colleagues, Aditya, he worked on it. And he had this really cool concept of using passenger windows as a kind of a tour guide, you know. So when you're going through Paris, for example, you're sitting in the back seat and then you see, I mean, you know what the Eiffel Tower is, but you see something else, maybe the catacombs, the entrance to it. And then mm -hmm. the windshield, the window really has like a projection saying, oh, this is the catacombs. It was built in this time, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then you're able to immediately see, oh, you could maybe you want to switch to your phone at that point in time, but you're able to see what that is and you don't miss it. Yeah. Do you think this is a very viable application and there are similar applications like this in terms of keeping passengers informed and or entertained? Yes. Um, so we, of course, also looked at, at similar applications. Uh, the tour guide is, uh, is a widely known um, application for, for a sidelight display. Um, what we see is uh, when we speak to users, um, mm -hmm. they are not that convinced of, uh, about this application. Um, you name that, uh, you have the smartphone. You, if you want to read something about these uh, catacombs or the uh, or that building, then then you you tend to uh, to pull out your smartphone and read about it mm -hmm. because that that is much easier than on the on a transparent screen. True mm -hmm. and. Uh, so there, there is a really a hard, um, yeah, a hard barrier for a market entrance for this kind of systems, um, because there are not many uh, many viable use cases. Yeah, in my point of view, that, yeah, that's I my agree. personal point of view. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how how often are you going to use that? The truth is, is you know, hey, sometimes you're driving in a place where you want that information displayed, possibly, but. Most people are driving in the city, maybe, you know what I mean? Or they're mm -hmm. driving out in the country and it's, you know. That's true. I mean, most people yeah. most people would use their car for commute. Yeah, which, it, it, but I will say this, it, it sounds better than if you're driving <laughs> to, than to look at your phone <laughs> and to just be doing that. So True. 
Yeah, but um, but there might be there might be other use cases. Um, so if we uh, if we extend our view a little bit, I mean, um, so this uh, uh, transportation. Um, so that means uh, we also uh, produce windows for trains, for uh, for buses, and so on. And there, uh, I mean, you said that before. You uh, you're afraid of the advertisements, but this is also a great market. I yeah, mean, true, um, true. These are services uh, which we can bring advertisements to, and um, especially for trains, uh, for commuter trains, uh, this can be done uh, also location based. And uh, oh, then yeah. you, you look out of the window and you see, okay, this restaurant has this or this offer for you. <laughs> oh, that would be a good application. But for a minute there, I was picturing that I'm taking a cheap Flixbus down to some new, some different city, and then I'm wake up in the middle of the night because this purple light projecting from the window <laughs> onto like my wake face. Up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could be afraid you of can, the advertisements, but they're coming no matter what. <laughs> yeah, you can always pay extra and uh, switch that off. There you go. Yeah, you got, you have to get the. <laughs> You're giving package. them ideas now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, I mean, jokes apart, that was that was arguably my next question, but you've already answered it. But I, since we are speaking about glass, it was uh, this was another question of mine. Recently, I watched uh, another video of this switchable glass. Of course, we experienced it in the vehicles as well. Mm. But it's really cool how you can just with a click of a button tint it, and then you have you don't have a tint anymore. And um, my question is, why do we not already see this on cars in the rear windows at least? Because I think that would be the best way to, you know, rather than pulling up an irritating piece of cloth that uh, makes some sounds when you go over bad roads, I would love to just press a button and poof, my windows tinted already. Why don't we see these yeah. in cars today? So, um, what you already see in cars, as you said, is the, are the rooftops. Yes. Mm. And the the rooftops are um, um, quite easy to uh, um, or quite easy. They are they are also quite challenging to to produce. Uh, you can uh, because what what actually is in there is not nothing else than an LCD display, mm -hmm. uh, which switches from the one state to the other. So it's a liquid crystal. Um, it's a uh, it's a film of. Uh, uh, of liquid crystals, and this is in between two glasses. Mm. So it's the same uh, technology as in the in the windshield. That so you have uh, an inner glass and an outer glass, and in between there's this uh, this functional film, uh, switchable film. Mm -hmm. And when you look at side lights today, uh, most of the cars, mo uh, so nearly every car has uh, single glass side lights. Mm -hmm. And that that's uh, that's where the additional costs for the OEM also comes in, mm -hmm. because you need to switch uh, to have this functionality. You need to go to a double layer glass, and uh, then you need to also in include that functional foil into that glass. And this is this is also a very um, yeah cost intensive uh, product, mm -hmm. and so it is um, it's not that easy for OEMs to integrate that today, um, and also by a reasonable price point and not um, it's too much. I think if I remember correctly, you can have something in the uh, in a Rolls Royce, mm -hmm. something like that. Possibly. But I'm not sure about that. That's not cost effective for me. <laughs> so. uh, no, no. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, 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 after experiencing vehicles like the EQS, that's where I feel like these are the cars where you're paying like nearly... 200k in money where you can have these kind of applications and uh, you know i always like to think a little bit more optimistically and i feel like once it comes into these cars five ten years down the line it trickles down into the cheaper cars because every yeah. tech you see today in cheaper cars was probably the most daring innovation 10 years ago mm -hmm. Uh, like like you said, HUDs, it's there in a Volkswagen ID3 today, but way back you had to buy a BMW 7 Series, probably the fully specced out version, yeah. to get that technology. So do you think this is possible that we see this come up in more expensive cars and years down the line it trickles down and then it becomes more and more mass manufactured into smaller cars as well? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Super definitely. Useful. So it is 
this this kind of technology will trickle down the, uh, in the portfolios of the of the OEMs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see, one of our classes also goes into uh, the uh, the new uh, Renault. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, released a couple of uh, days ago that we will be the class supplier for the new Renault. The, the Rafale? Rafale? Ah, yeah. Rafale, so, yeah. Um, and um, so uh, we will support uh, uh, supply the, the glass roof in that. Mm-hmm. It's also a PDLC, so a switching glass roof. And there, there you already see it's still a quite expensive car, mm-hmm. not ex- as expensive as the EQS, but it, you see that also the more affordable OEMs uh, uh, use the same kind of technology, and that will go to uh, trickle down in the in the uh, model portfolio as well, and also to different applications like the side lights or like the uh, like the rear uh, rear window of the car. Yeah, I think it makes for I mean besides of course opening it for ventilation, mm-hmm. it makes for a great um, application for roof and sunroofs. You know because. For example, I come from India, and in India, it's really hot in the summers. Where we live, it's 42, 43 degrees. And when you have sunroof, the biggest problem is that no matter how much insulation you put on it and the curtain below it, Mm -hmm. the car tends to get really hot if you park it outside, even more than when you have a metal roof. And uh, the other problem is that the sun tends to penetrate through the windows, obviously, and uh, I would, I'm 100% sure my parents would be very thankful if such a technology <laughs> came into consumer cars as well. Um, but finally, yeah. sorry, uh, you were saying something. Um, no, I was just uh, also um, uh, yeah, uh, confirming what you just said. Yeah. Um, so whenever, whenever there is light, there's radiation. Radiation goes through glass uh, yeah. and this, this will heat up the, the interior. Um, there are a lot of coatings also also by security to, to reduce that, mm-hmm. to reduce that to a minimal extent. And you, you get even a, a better um, um, a better thermal comfort or better uh, or less less heating up with the car with a glass roof today than with a metal roof. Mm-hmm. Um, but all this on the on the high spec cars yes, and not on the yes. on normal cars, of course. <laughs> and also there, it will it will trickle down. Mm-hmm. The switchable technology will help a little bit, but not that much, um, because uh, in the end, uh, IR radiation uh, is not uh, uh, not filtered out by the by the switchable fault, but by but by other coatings uh, and uh, things in the glass. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably my last question then uh, from my end would, to you would be, we spoke about so many innovative concepts and finally we, we, we're speaking about passenger window displays. And um, when we look at passenger window displays, there's a lot of cool applications. But um, do you think this kind of technology will have a big impact on the user experience of passengers? You said that you had spoken to some... Uh, by you, I mean the, the research uh, researchers had spoken to some users, and they were not so inclined towards it. Um, one question would be, what would be the impact on user experience? And again, what are some of the potential risks and dangers of having such kind of passenger window displays as well? Mm, I mean, uh, um, let's let's start with the bad side, uh, the dangers. Yeah. Um, for the, uh, I mean, every display. Um, uh, cause distraction, uh, mm-hmm. and even if it's uh, only for the passenger, as you said, grab the controller and finish the <laughs> the boss level for yeah. your kid. Um, <laughs> even if you drive that uh, currently, uh, so this will always cause uh, distraction. Mm-hmm. So we need to find ways around that. Um, so maybe only put it on the on the rear uh, on the rear row or. Um, Creating creating technologies around that it can't be seen from the driver's seat, but this is all um, yeah, going around the the problem. But uh, it will not solve completely mm-hmm. because um, any system in the car which is not driving related will distract in the end, and they all they all come with uh, with some dangers of distraction and but on the other side, it will have an impact for the. For the passengers, of course, uh, entertainment in the cars will get more and more important, and um, creating creating surfaces to 
to have access to your kind of entertainment. This is just the crucial thing for me. So uh, in my opinion, it's not it's not the right way to recreate uh, entertainment platforms within cars, but mm. to give access to their uh, to the entertainment platforms. So why do you why do you want to have a streaming uh, service by an OEM? If you already have a subscription to Netflix, or if you have already a subscription to any any other um, um, entertainment uh, platform, mm -hmm. is it, the same goes for gaming. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to have uh, you don't want to have your uh, a card games in the car when you when you're uh, 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 I don't know uh, a gamer who is normally on Steam and yeah. you want uh, you don't want to play Candy Crush on in your car. When you actually call uh, uh, at home to, to Call of Duty or, or th things like that. <laughs> true, true. I was just thinking in my head, everything is fun in games until there's Counter Strike or Dota on the system, and then, yeah, that's you not what he there. was thinking. You were thinking about playing Candy Crush. <laughs> be honest. <laughs> you got me there. Yes. <laughs> it's uh, cool. Are there any of uh, any cool projects that you've been working on lately that you're allowed to talk to us about? Maybe some sneak peeks. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to say no to that uh, <laughs> to that question. Um, though there are there are of course cool uh, projects uh, where we work on, um, but uh, unfortunately not not ready for publication yet. Uh, any that have been released already? There are recent ones that have been ready for publication, but we haven't seen in cars. Uh, already yeah probably like somewhere between that uh, okay we've developed this and we've implemented it phase that we definitely would not yeah. know about okay yeah um so there there are a couple of uh, of nice collaborations we did in the in the last but they are not too much related to hmi um mm -hmm. so uh what what did we uh what has has been done is um what we see are really huge window uh, windshields. Mm -hmm. um, so, windshields extending way beyond your uh, your head. Uh, so it gives a really really nice open feeling in the car. Yeah. So Tom um, can actually, see out of them. Is, actually, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so actually we get really really close to uh, to the designer stream of having a, gla a glass uh, dome uh, on top of the car. Uh, without any structures, um, we, we are getting there. Um, not not done yet fully, <laughs> but um, uh, so this this is nice. So you can see that in uh, in Lucid Air, for example. Yeah. Um, or um, and then, of course, uh, what can we? Uh, what can I uh, tell you is uh, about the, the switchable projects. Um, mm -hmm. This is. As I said, uh, or as already said, the, the Renault was the latest one. Uh, our starting uh, or our start project was the Porsche Taycan roof. Mm. That um, comes to also mind. Also, really nice one. Um, yeah, that's also uh, going to be on screensauto.com. You can check that out. But you that can. was the first car Tom and I drove together, yeah. and we remember seeing this. And I was thinking there was another car with that switchable dis switchable sunroof. What was that? That's the one, and we have a full breakdown uh, experts in cars episode on YouTube about that Porsche Taycan, and you can actually have that digital replica on screensauto.com. Sign up for your free trial. Got my plug in today. <laughs> It is amazing, though. That is an amazing thing. But please go on. Hey. Sorry for the digression. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's really good, and it's also um, I think this is this is also a very very emotional uh, uh, project uh, because uh, the car is really not also a nice drive. Uh, yeah, true. And the the roof is just part of that, and. Um, yeah, but uh, basically that that's it. What I can tell you uh, in addition to that is, of course, that we that we really work on uh, on AR HEDs. Mm -hmm. I can't reveal uh, with whom we are working on that. Mm -hmm. um, we are working on uh, on integration of a new kind of display. Uh, I Ooh. can't go into details there anymore. Sure. Uh, yeah, you'll need to come um, back and so come into will... details when you can because that sounds awesome. Yes. Um, so maybe we talk after the IAA. Um, Ah yes. Okay, so we ha we have a potential next next episode as well. <laughs> but we are big fans of AR. So you know, if if you yeah. if you if you say let's talk AR, 
I'm ready to do a whole episode on AR. Oh, he definitely is. I'm curious as to, we had a guest on here recently that talked about external HMIs. And I would imagine that some of the things you're working on probably collaborate with a lot of external HMI yes. manufacturers. Uh, I already waited for that because uh, <laughs> also from the external view, uh, the glass surface is the most important thing to to uh, put information on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, there's also a lot of potential uh, for external HMI. Uh, when we have uh, cars driving their, the, themselves, uh, so autonomous cars, mm-hmm. you need to also communicate to, to pedestrians, to other road users about the status of the car. And this, this can, can be done uh, in the glass surface because that's where actually, there's also research uh, uh, done uh, where, the, where pedestrians today look at and this is the glass this is the windshield yeah and so this is the natural the natural choice to to communicate to pedestrians mm-hmm. for example if it is it safe to cross the street mm-hmm. has the has the car seen me um mm-hmm. uh, so this is very very good and then of course um when you look at the other at the other screens um i hate to say that but uh, advertisement is is a huge thing okay. um Cars, cars standing around have uh, are the are the perfect uh, place to to show advertisements. So you just be I walking mean, down the street and just see ads on different cars as they're parked, kind yeah. of thing. Yes. I wonder if that would make my payment um, less. That I was about to say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but you already see that today. I mean, if you if you jump into any uh, any taxi in in China, mm. they nearly all of them they have a projection on their on their rear window uh showing uh, advertisements when they drive mm-hmm. around the road and they are um so that there it is already there um uh, it's not it's nothing which uh yeah. which is really uh new yeah well we'll just we're talking about blowing it up everywhere <laughs> just making it yes a huge thing. <laughs> probably one one more question that comes to my mind mm. just out of pure fascination um this this study you spoke about this this topic you spoke about of where people look i was i was an assistant on one of these studies where with an eye tracker and that's that's actually very true i can corroborate it but my question is is there some way um in in in, in the world of glass to show these kind of projections for the external hmi on the windshields and windows in a way you can only see it from the outside but not the inside because i would imagine uh-huh. if there is some kind of uh, as my imagination goes a projection mm-hmm. but the projector is probably putting some glare into my eye if that makes sense mm, maybe is there some way to do this yeah um th- there is there are ways to do that yes um there is uh, there are ways to control where the projection goes mm-hmm. um so that uh, that you minimize the reflections and uh, maximize the transmission through the glass and uh, what do you what do you do in the glasses uh, a diffusion of mm-hmm. the light of the projector um and then this goes to the outside so there are there are possibilities i mean uh, all all this technology they have their their borders um, mm-hmm. so if you are directly into the in the ref, reflection path of the of the projector you will still see some glare uh, that's that's for sure mm-hmm. um but you can design it in a way that you are not sitting in the in the direct reflection of the projector. Um, so to hit the, uh, to hide the projector in a way that it really works out for you. Man. Wow, these are all fascinating things. I'm sorry, this is this is it. it we get a lot of uh, topics about HMI design, but integrating the glass and things like that into this it's just fantastic i mean i mean i've i've still not gotten over polarized sunglasses so you know this no. is just so cool <laughs> it's weird it's, it's things that people don't normally think about i think every day they're looking at their screens and not realizing you know how much goes into that but also the advancement you can make and that not it doesn't need to just be here you know it could be here and here and here and it could be everywhere like it's just it's the future it's very science fictiony you know uh, it is. Yeah. And I think you're doing great work. Uh, that's, I think that's it for today's episode. This has been fascinating. You definitely need to come back at some point and talk more about this. Like you said, he could talk about AR all day. Yeah. And I think it's a topic that people definitely want to get into. Um, Stefan Hartel, thank you so much for joining us today. 
Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, screensauto.com, you can find your complete replica of an HMI podcast. It is going to be at Screens Podcast on all the platforms. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube at Screens and at the Screens Podcast. Once again, I'm Matt Seegers. This is Srivas. We were joined today by Stefan Hertel, uh, from uh, the head of HMI and UX at San Goban Securit. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.